Join me in a word of prayer tonight. God, we love you. We thank you for who you are and for what you've done. You've covered your people all day. You kept us under your blood. You've given us an opportunity to come and study your word one more time. So we open up our hearts. We open up our minds. We're ready to receive. Fill us, Lord. Even now, let every need that we have be met. Come and quench this thirsting in our soul. As the deer panteth for the water, so our souls thirst after thee. You alone our heart's desire. And tonight, 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 we long to worship thee. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Have your way. Amen. Well, tonight I'm going to return to the subject matter I've been working on for the last uh, few uh, sessions. And this is called The Quiet Mind for Troubled Times. The Quiet Mind for Troubled Times. I've been looking with you with a passage of scripture in uh, the Psalms, Psalm 46, and verse 10 has been the focus. And I'm just going to use the words there, just the first part of the sentence. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Tonight I want to deal with um, how to be still. I'm going to talk a little bit about it. It'll take me a couple weeks to get it all out. And I don't know if I can do it, get it out in two weeks. It may take three, but I want to talk about what this means to be still and in general, what I'm really dealing with is how do we, during this time of turmoil, deal with the turmoil and yet have peace and yet have a quiet mind and yet be undisturbed? So what I'm, in effect, I'm going to try now is to teach you how to quiet your mind. I didn't learn this um, in a book or in philosophy or in my uh, classes on any of the great philosophers. I didn't learn this um, sitting in some class, whether it was at Selma, Alabama A&M, or Yale, or Hartford. I, I learned this at the foot of my mother. And for those of you who don't know my mother, let me tell you a little bit about her. She was an anointed woman of God. Um, most people would call her a prophetess. She would, God would give her dreams, visions. She could look into your life and share with you the next move of God that God had for you. You didn't want to come around her if you had been um, uh, sinning uh, because she would pick up on it the moment you walked in the door and uh, she would read you like a book and uh, your, your sins will have surely found you out. Uh, it was not a fun experience growing up sometime with her because she knew uh, the sin you were contemplating before you ever got to perform it. 
Uh, it's a fun thing to think of now. We laugh about it. My siblings, we laugh about it. But I learned from her a lot of things that are interesting that I want to share tonight, particularly about prayer and contemplation. My mother had several forms of prayer that she engaged in. And if you ever were around her, you know that she could get real loud. And my mother was a beautiful, red-headed, extremely light-skinned, gorgeous woman with freckles. My father was a very dark-skinned, African-American man. Put the A in African. And so my mama was real light. So when she got in the spirit, she would go up, that red hair would flaw back, and she would turn beet red, and she would go off, she would speak into folks' lives. Sometimes she'd pray real, real loud, and she'd be, she'd go in. And then I'd come in sometime, and mama wouldn't be praying loud. Sometimes it looked like mama was sitting there, her eyes would be closed, and sometimes I see her mouth moving. And I, you know, I'm going to start talking. Other times I'd come in, and she would look at me as though she was looking through me, and I could kind of tell she ain't there. My mother had what we would describe as a contemplative life. She had a meditative life that put her in the presence of God in such a way that if you ever needed her to pray, she didn't have to get up in the spirit to pray because she was already there. Matter of fact, I, I, um, when she was sick one point, I, I was at the house, and this is a memory of mine, of, Someone wanted to pray for her. And they called her up to pray. And then they started on the phone. They were, you know, worshiping God before the prayer. And I saw my mother open her eyes, and she became very frustrated. And they finally prayed their prayer. They got the phone, and she was cordial and what have you. So I had to ask. I said, why were you frustrated? Her response was, you don't call someone to pray for them and have to get yourself in a place to pray. The anointing, glory, ought to already be lifted in you. You should be, let, let's, let's use this, deep enough that you've already prayed that your prayer that is being said publicly is simply the verbal manifestation of that which you've prayed privately. And if you haven't prayed privately, don't bother praying publicly. If you have to get into place, you should have been in that place when you publicly began to pray. She said, you don't have to taxi off the runway when you're already flying. I learned that what my mother did was, besides the loudness of her Pentecostal background, my mother spent a lot of time with God 
at a deeper level. Not, not that surface stuff, not even the level of spirituality, but a level below spirituality where the real river of life runs and one has entered into a deeper place with God. It was at, it's at that level where, where one has, has a, a, a divine tryst with God. You can see it on their face. You can see it in their body. You can see it in their glow. You, you know something deeper is going on. Let me see if I can give you an analogy. You know, a woman who is, who is pregnant, whether she realizes she's pregnant or not, somehow they get a pregnant glow. Something's growing on the inside, which seems to redo something on the outside. I don't care what their features look like on a regular basis. There's a certain glow to pregnancy. Because something deep is within, alive and growing. When one has spent the deeper level time with God, it gets on your countenance. Moses, you look different coming down the mountain than you did when you went up. Something happened at the deeper level that was displayed externally in his countenance. This is a, a deeper level that I think that believers need for this season now. At the surface right now, on the surface, are the Noisy traffickings of information. At the surface is the noisy trafficking of need. At the surface is the noisy trafficking of worry. At the surface right now is the noisy trafficking that comes with wonderment of when things will or if they will ever be like they once were. At the level now is the all of the chaos of the day. And at that level, it's kind of hard to not, not be in the midst of the whirlwind. The other day, it rained real hard. It was raining and storming. Our daughters were driving in, and so we were praying because they were in the shelter of a vehicle, but they weren't in the house. In the house, under the roof, same rain going on, same storm, same wind blowing, but the house took the beating that our bodies didn't have to take. And because the roof was above us, high enough, we never felt the pelt of the driving rain. 
nor did we have to experience this wind at the level in which it came down and came across. I, 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 I wish to tell you that, that we don't control circumstances. Believers have died from COVID-19. Faithful, honorable, anointed, saved believers did nothing wrong, did not lack faith, were not sinning, were not under God's judgment, they died. Because the Bible says the rain falls on the just as well as the unjust. Equal rain. How do we get to the place where in the midst of it all, we can be so covered as to not be disturbed by the storm? And if need be, we can be so embraced by God that we can walk on water in the midst of the storm. I, I come tonight to suggest to you that the practice of meditation, my, my mother would never have called it meditation, maybe, but not really, that wasn't her word. No, she would have phrased it more like, I'm before the Lord. Not saying nothing, but I'm before the Lord. Being before the Lord is the same thing as meditation. Different words, same action. And I want to suggest to you that you can be before the Lord in this season and handle this crisis in a bold new way. So let's spend a few moments talking about meditation and why I think it'll help and why I think my mama, that redhead beauty, got it right. What is meditation? What is meditation? Now, understand, there is no consensus definition here. The, the, the dictionary definition is a continued or extended thought, reflection, contemplation, devout religious contemplation or spiritual introspection. It is, it is to think deeply or focus one's mind for a period of time, in silence or with a purpose. I, I want to suggest to you that God is, it has given to us for this human form the ability to center it in his will and in his presence, and we can do that many ways, but one of the ways would be through meditation. Yeah, synonyms for that would be consecration, concentration, deep thought, 
introspection, pondering, some quiet time, reflection, rumination, self-examination, and uh, that old-fashioned one, every now and then you just need to chew the cud. Okay. Um, folk from Alabama got that one. I, I, let me... Anybody who's been on the farm know what that one is. That's, that's a, a cow chewing grass. Can't eat it all the way it is. Brings it back up and chews it again before taking it in. And sometimes you need to chew the cud. Sometimes you need to just sit with the thing for a while. Don't be in a hurry. Just sit with it. Now, I, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. Don't, don't get twisted. Don't get twisted. Don't get bent. Don't think I'm teaching some heretical doctrine. I'll stand on what I'm saying. What, what, what other forms of meditation? You, you've been around. You, you know. Uh, you know, there, there are many forms. And, and let me just be honest. Most of them are not Christian. They're not. So let me go throw out a few of them before I move into what I want us to get a hold of. There's uh, spiritual meditation, which is mostly linked with what we do in Christianity. Involves prayer and reflection as one seeks a deeper connection with God. There's mindfulness, which uh, people recognize that phrase from the Buddhist teaching tradition. Sort of a paying attention to their thoughts without judging or engaging in them. Then there's kind of a focused meditation involving the senses. And there's that mantra meditation, which is more linked to Hinduism and Buddhism, you know, made popular by people using the Om sound. And then there's that transcendental meditation, which many of you know about from the Indian guru and have been talked about, and there's even movement meditation. Some of y'all may not recognize it, but it's been linked to yoga. There are plenty of practices. There are other meditative forms one can do in terms of, of, of physical activities that are, that are perfectly normal, perfectly natural. There's a lot of different things out there. A lot of people teaching it. And of course, your question to me is going to be, Bishop, is this a Christian practice? And I think that's a, a good question to ask. Is it a Christian practice? Yes. Christians have practiced meditation for centuries. Unfortunately, I would say in the 20th century, late 20th century in particular, meditation has kind of fallen off as a teaching point for things that are, that are more favorable and immediately gratifying within the teaching principles. Meaning, um, I, don't, I don't get mad at people who, who teach prosperity and health and wealth because I do believe the scriptures teach that. 
the scriptures teach us how to, to claim what God has for us and to get the good of the land and to, to speak into existence what God is getting ready to do. That, there's nothing unbiblical about it. The, the people, people get upset. You know, they, they say, well, you know, that prosperity. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with that. I, I don't have a problem with our, our preaching that is emotionally uplifting. But now, I'm going to tell you, you need that. But in this season, you can name, you can speak, you can believe, and God's going to do some things. But right now, you need to get yourself in a place to survive spiritually and emotionally so you can get back to when the economy redresses, being what God wants you to be and having the good of the land and receiving all that God has. Because God wants you to have it. But you got to survive till you get there. And you are human. And your humanity, if it is at the surface level examining the facts of life, your humanity has a tendency to respond to what is going on. Your mind is responding to what is happening around you. There's nothing wrong with that. It is a part of your DNA. It is a part of the fact of your very existence. It is the fight or flight within you, part of the psychology by which you operate within your own thinking and mind. It is not something evil. It is not something wicked. It is a part of the divine nature that God has given you for survival in this world. Right now, you've got to bring it under subjection. You've got to bring the surface noise under subjection lest you be overwhelmed and consumed by it. Is, Christian, is meditation Christian? Well, Around the fourth century, um, the church created what was known as the Lecto Divina. The Lecto Divina, which is uh, a wonderful way of reading sacred scriptures. Um, Lecto Divina means sacred readings. And there are four stages of the Lecto Divina. The stages are simply like this. They are Lecto, Lectio, which is reading. Meditio, which is discursive meditation. Oratio, which is effective prayer. And contemplio, which is contemplation. So I want to suggest to you, the church has always known about it. People have practiced it. People have been aware of it. People, people right now, and, and what, what happens is this practice of spiritual discipline has been relegated and almost surrendered completely to Eastern philosophy and Eastern religions. And the church, which has employed it, I'll prove it in a moment, the church which has used it has given up one of the weapons that we've had to combat the enemy's efforts to destroy our mind and thereby destroy our peace. And I want to talk to a revival of meditation. 
See, the enemy doesn't want you to use this because if you use this, if you get into this and you start getting deeper in God, guess what? The goal of meditation is not simply to give you a quiet mind. The goal of meditation is to give you a deeper relationship with God. The goal is that when you're finished with this season, you're not only going to be a believer, you're going to have a relationship with God that can't no devil in hell and anything else take away from you. No situation, no issue, no person, no economic, nothing, no kind of virus. Nothing can steal from you because you get to a place where you say, I'll let nothing separate me from the love of God because I know who I am in Christ Jesus. And I can decree and declare a thing and it'll be so. I can make demands on heaven and I've got the peace of God in me to back it all up. See, what we've allowed is the worry of the appearance of this being heretical and, oh, you're you going to lead people into doing something that, 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 that they do over in whatever other faith tradition. And, and um, before it gets said, let me, let me say what that little, little uh, that fella said when... Uh, when someone got too close to him, he said, uh, you know, he's supposed to keep six feet of distance. His response was, not today, Satan. I need to help you. Okay. Come on, get your Bibles out. Get the Bible out. And if you got the paper Bible, get paper Bible saved. Now get, get a Bible in your hand. And I'm going to prove to you it's in scripture. And then I'm going to show you how to do it. I'm going to teach you a little methodology just for a few minutes. I'll, and then I'll take some questions. I hope you, hope you uh, stay around long enough to ask them. Uh, Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. In the transition moment between Moses' being, body being removed by God and no one ever knowing the place of his burial and God in commissioning Joshua to take his place. Joshua 1 verse 8 gives us this. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. You're going to meditate in it. You're going to sit with it. You're going to speak it. You're going to talk it. You're going to get it in your heart. Psalm 1, verse 1 and 2. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor seateth in the seat of the scornful. I, you know, I just go to mad, automatically quoting the King James Version. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. In his law does he meditate day and night. You see, the Jewish tradition of meditation predates most scripture writing. 
itself. Because in Genesis 24, verse 63, look what Isaac does. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. And he lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. Wait a minute. Isaiah went out to meditate. The meditate. He went out to meditate. Now, the only thing he could be meditating on is the goodness of God. The God-divine relationship that had been passed down to him as a covenant child. He could only meditate on what God was doing in the earth realm and how God had made a covenant with his people because there was no scriptures to read yet. He was meditating on God. He was spending time in deep thought and in contemplation. Because see, what you care about, you think about. Psalm 4 and 4. I've got so many of these scriptures. I can't do them all. So I'm going to do a few more, and then I'm going to move on because I, I want to get a few questions before I close. I really do. I just I hope I'm going to bless you tonight. I hope you stay with me. Don't, don't, don't run away. Don't run away yet. Psalm 4 and 4, be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Meditate within your heart upon your bed and be still, be still, be still, be still, be still, be still. Here the psalmist in Psalm 77 verse 6 says, I call to remembrance my song in the night. I meditate within my heart and my spirit makes diligent search. I'm going to meditate. My song of the night. I'm going to meditate. I'm going to meditate on him. I'm going to meditate on him. I'm going to meditate on him when I'm in the bed. I'm going to meditate on him when I'm up. I'm going to meditate on him when I'm walking. Okay. Psalm 66 verse 6 actually puts it this way. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. What's the last thing you think about before you go to sleep? Is it the latest statistics? What's the last thing you think about? What you're going to do in the morning? What plans you have? He says, I meditate upon you, even in my bed. Psalm 77 verse 12 says, I will also meditate on all your work. And talk of your deeds. I'll meditate on all your work and I'll, I'll talk of your deeds. God, I'm going to talk of your deeds. Now, Psalm 119 is like loaded with things about meditation. 
Psalm 119, you just need, I told y'all, I hope you, you will join me this month. We're reading the Psalms all collectively to be done by the end of the month. Don't forget, get the reading. When you get to Psalm 19, you just, if you just highlight all the words, say meditate, you, you're going you gonna to see something. But I'll just lift up verse 15 and 16. Verse 15 and 16, give me all I need. He says, I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statues. I will not forget your word. Okay. Help me hear somebody. God, I'm going to put you in my mind. I'm not going to forget your word because your word is what I need. I'm going to get your word in me. I'm going to get your word in me. I'm going to get your word in me. I'm going to put your word in me. I'm going to meditate on it. I'm going to contemplate your statutes. God, I want to live a way where you know I have not forgotten your word. Then those who, Malachi 3, 16. I know you thought Malachi was only about tithes. Then those who feared the Lord, verse 16 of Malachi 3 said, Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him. For those who feared the Lord and who meditate on his name. Whew. Let me tell you something. I just want you to take a moment. Just take a moment. Just take a moment. Take a moment. Close your eyes wherever you are and just call his name. If you want to say Jesus, 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 there's something about that name, Jesus. Just, just go. Maybe you don't want to say Jesus. Maybe you could make, be a little Hebrew. Yeshua! Yeshua! The one who has a name that is above every name. The one who at his name, knee shall bow and tongue shall confess. Yeshua! Yeshua! Jesus! Jesus, there is something about that name, Master, Savior, Jesus, like the fragrance after the rain Jesus 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim King They'll all pass.
pass away but there's something about that name I see you sister Julie Jesus not a both show Jesus Jesus there is something about that name Master Savior Jesus like the fragrance after the rain Jesus 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 let all heaven and earth proclaim kings and kingdoms kings and kingdoms they'll all pass away but there's something but there's something, but there's something, I know there is, but there's something about that name. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 I, I got I got Let me just. Uh, Philippians 4, verse 8 and 9 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are true, pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now look at verse 9 because that's the, the end result is in verse 9. The end result says, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. He says the God of peace will be with you. you what you think about is setting you up for the very presence of the God of peace. That's why I want to be in relationship with him. Because what I'm thinking about is going to set me up for what God's getting ready to do in my life. Timothy, 1 Timothy 4.15, and I'll stop with this one. I can go keep going, y'all. Just don't know. I, I'm, feeling some, I'm feeling some kind of way. 1 Timothy 4.15 says, meditate on these things. Some stuff you just need to meditate on. He says, then give yourself entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. 
There's certain things that if I meditate on and give myself to them, that the things of God, the things that God's called me to do, things I've been instructed to do, things I've been taught to do, way I've been taught to live, instructed how to carry myself. He said, if you do that, he said, your progress will be seen by others. Want your progress to be seen? Meditate on the right things. I want to suggest, and, and I told you I'm going to take a little time because next week I'm going to talk, and I want you to, when you, get, when you get online next week, have your Bible next to you, and I want you to get in a comfortable place. I don't want, if, you, if you're used to sitting on the bed, get off the bed this time, and I want you to get in a comfortable chair. Get somewhere you can be comfortable next week because I want you to enter into meditation and prayer with me in a special way next week. I want you to come in with me. I want you to come in with me. I want you to know something here. I believe that if we pray that we are so interconnected to the Father that you will feel my prayer where you are and you will know my heart and you will feel my anointing even though you're not physically present with me in this room, we are interconnected to the point that when we pray, I feel and know you will know that I am engaged with you in the two or three gathered in his name, which will cause us to have him bless the needed one. I know this is going to mess with some folks because I'm going deeper now. I'm going to go deeper now. My, my siblings will tell you this. this is a true story. We are so interconnected. We actually can sense each other no matter who we are. When you come in contact with me, you don't come in contact with just the physical presence that this shell gives and exposes to you. With all of its massive girth, the way it looks, you don't just come in contact with me, you come in contact with my spirit. My spirit comes in contact with yours, and at times we can have our spirits knitted together in purpose to do things on behalf of God. If I'm connected to God and you're connected to God, then we will sometimes sense the same thing at the same time. Sometimes you'll notice pastors all over the country who have not communicated with each other will have similar messages because if they're all getting the same instruction from the same source, it's no wonder that the messages will be similar. When I was younger, back in the time before cell phones, I know you, some of the young people listening don't know those times. That's when, you, uh, when someone went to church and if the kids were home, in that case, my, me and my siblings would be home. Mama would be at church, and something would happen, and we would need to get a hold of Mama. My siblings, my siblings would say to me, Ben, go get Mama. Go call Mama. Let her know we need her. Now, mind you, they weren't talking about picking up the phone. I know I just blew somebody's mind. They were saying, we know you can connect. Go and make sure mama calls. 
if the situation happened at 8 o'clock and I went in to go and pray and meditate and be still, by 8.05, the phone would be ringing. What's wrong? Something's happened over there. I sense, I feel you all. What's going on? I know I, somebody's right now. You don't know my, Yes, I'm, I'm being completely honest. My, I've got three sisters. You can ask any one of them. They'll tell you the same story. Okay. You can be that connected. It happens in couples sometimes where they get to the point where they can even finish each other's sentence. Or they know where each other's going to be, each other's movement before they do it. I want to suggest to you that there's a deeper place in God you can get to where you can know God in his presence in a fullness that you've never known him before. And here are the three major words I want you to get in your spirit. And I'm closing with these, and I'll take questions. Please ask away. First word is contemplation. Contemplation, that's my thoughts, my, my ability to sit with it and to, it's what I think about. It's what I dwell on. It's what I put myself in position to receive. And we call it contemplative prayers. And I, I want to talk about, you know, what I'm, what I'm going to contemplate, I'm going to bring myself into alignment with. And I'll deal with alignment next week so that you can understand that what you align with, you must be careful of because your alignment can end up becoming your assignment. And you want to make sure that your assignment that came from your alignment came from above and not from someplace else. you get that one on the way. Contemplation. It's the way of entry. It's your entry point. It's the place of settling down. It's the place of settling down. You've got to learn how to settle down. There are some things you cannot see because you're moving too fast. There are some people right now that God has had to ruin your plans and upset your life because you wouldn't let him show you before you had to crash. The life I'm trying to get you to walk into is the life that says you can walk in a way where your will is so surrendered to God that you can't be upset because you know that God has given you God's best. The things that would have disappointed me because of God's no have always given me the greatest joy because I knew if God was saying no to that, that his best must be better than what I've asked for. Settling down, settling down in your spirit, settling down. And I want to suggest that you're going to settle down by centering prayer. Centering prayer. And, and I'm going to deal with this notion of centering prayer 
in, in, next week. But but trust me when I tell you this. These will be the, the three focal points of next week's lecture, next week's Bible study. Centering prayer simply suggests that I'm going to get to the place where I center myself and my spirit on God while I deal with and allow to go by me all the other stuff in my life. Now, I want to tell you something. When you meditate, if you were to sit still and spend a few moments with God and you were to close your eyes and you were to take a word like Jesus or Yeshua and you start meditating on it and you got real quiet and started centering yourself in it, the moment you got to a point of real peace where you started really thinking, you know, I'm going to enter into God's presence, guess what's going to happen? All kinds of other thoughts are going to come across your mind. And that, you know why? Because you're still at the surface level of your daily life and of your emotions. And so all those thoughts come by. It's not until you can get down a little deeper into a more spiritual level that those thoughts, even if they come by, you won't be bothered with because you know you're trying to enter into the very presence of God. So you're moving to the very presence of God. So if I, if, I, if I hierarchy this, I would say we're starting out at contemplation, which is where I begin on the surface level. I'm moving into a centering prayer, and, and I'll, I'm, I'm going to define that next week, which then takes me out of that upper level of just regular ordinary because I'm really trying to get down to a deeper place in God where I enter into communion with God. Contemplation, centering prayer, communion. The communion is when I get to the place where I am with God and God is with me in a sacred moment. I am in the presence of God. It's on your screen. You might want to write it down, but I'll come back to it next week. So that the communion, leave it there for a moment, bro. So that the communion with God allows me to be in God's presence. And you know what happens in his presence. In his presence is fullness of joy. So that if on the surface of life is all the hustle and bustle, if I could just get to his presence, I get to the joy. And if I get to the joy, guess what? I'm now removed from psychologically, emotionally, even spiritually, and now almost insulated from all of the chaos of the surface because I entered into contemplation through my centering prayer, which brought me into communion. Chaos at the surface. I went into contemplation. I then entered through my centering prayer, and all of a sudden I was in communion with God. And then when I got in communion with God, the very presence of God began to work on me, and I began to feel the sense of the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. Remember, the understanding is on the surface. 
The understanding is the logic that goes along with the chaos that's happening here. I need to move beyond understanding into communion with God in the sacred space. 